The following is an exclusive presentation of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. BYU Broadcasting. BYU Broadcasting. It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back inside JCW's in Provo. Greg Rubel here with you. After our bye week, we are back for the Coordinator's Corner with you from 12 to 1 today and every Monday until the end of the season. As always, we promise you two coordinators in the span of an hour. In putting the previous game to bed, uh, we're a full week out from it, but we didn't get a chance to talk about uh, Wisconsin. How much of that played into what you wanted to do last week and, and how much it was a lot more looking forward? It's all about looking forward. It's go- going into the season with a plan for uh, for each game and the bye week. And then uh, as far as a player schedule goes, it's important that those guys can count on top 25. And then that, that top 25 is the same at the end of the year. Or a team that starts poorly, it doesn't always doom you to a poor season or, or a poor finish, regardless of opponent. I think a lot of times fans get carried away with, well, you know, is, is Utah State as good as this team or that team? That doesn't matter. The, for us, the final analysis are is we are we as good as we can be on the Saturday that we're playing against whatever opponent we're playing, whether it's the Oakland Raiders or, or Utah State or some other team, we want to make sure that we're as prepared as we can be. That's our final analysis. And through four Saturdays, you probably think you haven't been your best on any of the four you've played yet to this point. No, we, yeah. we no. They, that's the nice part about an opponent. It's the nice part about playing quality opponents is they can expose you when you're not uh, when you're not at your best. And so we've learned some things. We've uh, we've been humbled as a as a team as a coaching staff. And uh, the only thing to do um, that's acceptable in my mind is to get better. You know, Coach Satake, uh, post-Wisconsin, we were talking to him in the uh, in the broadcast booth, and I brought up the schedule component, how tough it has been. And he said, I appreciate you kind of giving me an out with the schedule, but we're not into that. We're not into that's talking right. about how good these, because we expect to be one of those teams that's and be right. playing with those teams. Is that fairly accurate, how, how you feel as well? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we feel we, we all, as coaches, came here. Um, because of our experience at BYU, I mean, most of our coaches have experience at playing at BYU, as you know, or, or being students at BYU. And we know the tradition. We know the history. We know where BYU deserves to be. And um, it's it's something that we take uh, very serious. It, this, our stewardship of this program is something that we take, uh, we take very serious, and we're not where we need to be. We're failing. Emotion and urgency has its place, but ultimately it's going to come down to execution more than it is a desire. Oh, willingness is clearly a part of it, but it's going to come probably down to, to an ex- a better executing team, uh, top to bottom. Fair? Yeah, motivation and desire are, are really overrated, and that's you know that's the stuff of movies. If if you've played sports at a high level, you, you realize that. Uh, motivation goes up and down teams play their best team or individuals you you can't all by definition you can't always play your best you can't always play your most motivated so what what really matters is being the most prepared you can be physically mentally and uh, and playing to the best of your ability on on that given day and hopefully you know in an opponent final sum analysis hopefully you're better than your opponent Coach Ed Lamb with us here, Coordinator's Corner. Coach Eliza Tuiaki, D coordinator, coming up in the second half hour. Seeing as bye week is some self-assessment, uh, what what uh, maybe conclusions did you draw after taking a good look at your areas of responsibility during this last week? Um, I, I feel like that we we must be much more dynamic in uh, in the special teams to supplement our field position. I think um, you know, just looking mostly at the the previous game in, in Wisconsin. 
we um, we did not we did not play well on offense or defense in comparison to our opponent. The special teams must step up in those areas and supplement field position. Put our offense on a shorter field, flip the field with turnovers, big returns, and uh, and we just we just did not get that done. And then um, on the on the defensive side, you know, I think uh, from I, I deal a lot with the secondary and right. safeties, of course, and. I think that uh, we did not challenge enough in the secondary. We allowed open access to their quarterback. Uh, their quarterback on that day was incredibly accurate. I felt like he played his best game, but they, uh, we have to take our responsibility in that as well. We, we, need, we need to challenge receivers more. We need to be more confident in what we do, and we're working very hard at that. On the special team side, so many different components of special teams. Uh, there are areas in which you're actually doing quite well, areas in which you'd like to do better. Uh, your, your net punt game, your punt efficiency game has actually been quite solid through four games. It is. We had the one uh, punt get uh, away from us. We had a low line drive punt at LSU, and their returner got some significant yardage on us, and that, that's really been the only uh, punt return of any significance so far on the season. We, uh, we, we've got to get better in our punt return game. I think there's more out there. I think I've got guys that are capable and willing and, uh, and want to make that uh, a better piece of what we do, and so I've got to take a lot of the blame on that myself to be uh, a better tactician and to get our guys a better plan moving forward. You guys are in negative punt return yards for the year. I think it's minus five on, on a very small number of returns. Yeah. Do you look at personnel and say, well, we'll try something different there, or, or do you say you know, the personnel's fair, it's, it's other things that need to change? always looking at personnel on a daily basis and um and that has nothing to do with i mean you can be the best uh, punt return uh, returner in the nation and be at, at minus one through a, a few games in the season it's really about opportunities and i don't feel like there's been um uh, i feel like we've had one good opportunity to return one and we needed to make one guy miss and there was a lot a lot of yards available and we did not get that done and so our, our punt returner takes that on himself i take that on myself for not coaching him better to take advantage of that opportunity but really we, we don't want to get carried away on punt return uh, numbers mm-hmm. what i want to make my evaluation on is what they're doing daily in a practice setting and then of course you know the, the, some guys have a knack for stepping up in games and in big games and the biggest moments in the biggest games and so you know i have, have to evaluate that too but we definitely wouldn't want to put too much on a, on one or two missed opportunities gotcha all right we'll take our first break we'll come back with coach ed lamb he's byu special teams coordinator safeties coach and assistant head coach we've got coach elisa tuiaki d coordinator coming up in the second half hour we're live at jcw's in provo for the coordinator's corner we're back with more right after this you're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Monday's 12 to 1 here at JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. I'm Greg Rubel. He is Coach Ed Lamb, Coach Elisa Tuiaki with us for the second half hour from 1230 to 1. Stick around for that. Your questions, comments on Twitter can come in with the hashtag CCBYU, hashtag CCBYU, CC for Coordinator's Corner. Uh, Coach Lamb, uh, in the safety uh, room, you, you, you've had a couple of guys who've had to miss portions of games and or games here through a few games. Zane Anderson missed the last game, I think. Uh, Mike has missed a game and a half. Uh, for a combination of things, um, that's that's been a bit of a, a challenge here through four games, hasn't it? It has. Yep. Unfortunately, I feel like we have got uh, good depth at that position, and so there's been another guy. It's really that the the burden is on the preparation piece. We have only a, a very finite amount of practice reps per day and per week, and so to get guys uh, prepared 
in a week's time to play a full game plan can be a little bit of a challenge. But fortunately, those guys have kept their head in it, and there's there's a guy that's ready to step in. Zane had a pick in the opener against Portland State. At that time, BYU recorded at least one pick in 14 straight games. Every game last year, first game of this year. Since then, no no INTs defensively after that nice long run of 14 straight. What has kind of been uh, maybe leading into that uh, that particular stat? Well, we haven't stopped the run. We have a, a schematically our base defense is designed to put a lot of pressure on our secondary and to stop the run. We we gang up at the line of scrimmage and stop the run. And what we're trying to do is get teams into past situations either by taking the lead or by taking a advantage of a long long yardage situation, third, second and long, third and long. And that's when most of our interceptions have, have occurred. You know, the Portland State game was another example of that. The opponent was backed up late in the game. They have to score. They have to throw the ball with the, with the clock, and we're able to, to pick on that. So we've got to stop the run first um, up front and then uh, put teams in obvious pass situations. That was one of the problems, again, against Wisconsin where they were running the ball uh, very consistently, and for plus yardage, they didn't have a lot of uh, great big breakout runs. And uh, some people call that bend but don't break. It's really just sound defense and hustling to the ball. There's no bend but don't break philosophy that I'm the w- aware of. We we want to stop the run at the line of scrimmage and force them into pass situations. Wisconsin was able to drop back in pass situations when they wanted what we call control downs, first and ten, second and five, and a third and whatever. And so we weren't really into our pass defensive sets. Opposing pass completion percentage has been very high the last three games. And, again, there's more components than just how you're playing in the secondary when it comes to how well a quarterback feels comfortable uh, there in the pocket to do things. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's uh, And I would say we've got a pattern right now over three games where we're not stopping the run um, consistently enough that we can put a team in a pass situations where our, our front can tee off on the pass and our secondary can get more into a challenging situation. We are We are 100% sold out to stop the run. We haven't been able to do it. From 2006 through 2016, so an 11-season span, BYU's yards per rush allowed has been under four. That's for 11 straight years. It's at 4.12 now, but it's over where it normally is. 2005 is the last season where BYU allowed more than four yards per rush, and we've got 13 or 14 games to play before we can say how good this rush defense is going to be, but it is a higher number than normally allowed. And when you are looking at yards per rush, you know, 0.2, 0.3 can mean a lot by the end of the game. It sure does. Yep, absolutely. And we, and I'm glad you say that because it, you won't hear it out of my mouth that we are a poor rush defense. Right now we're, we're playing unacceptably in our rush defense, and that's causing us to have some, some pass issues as well and not be able to get into some of the pass concepts uh, coverage-wise that we would like to get into. We've got to do a better job. We expect to do a better job. I think we have the players to do a better job, and so it's incumbent on us as coaches to get it done. Yeah, that was the question, I guess, too, was after four weeks you still feel the pieces are there to be able to be put in the right places to have success uh, this year moving forward. Yeah, very very confident. And that you know, part of that's just my, my personality and my optimism. I like to believe I don't. I don't know how to coach this game other than to, than to believe in the guys that we have on the team. I believe in the guys that we have. I think it's always there's always personnel decisions to be made throughout the season. The starting lineup should and or typically does and probably should change throughout the season as guys become more confident, more healthy. Other guys become less confident and, and aren't, aren't hitting their stride. And so we've got to continue to evaluate personnel. But just looking at it from an overall standpoint, I love our players. I love our chances. The, the goal is to win each week, but it's also to get better throughout the season, to hopefully have a feeling at the end of the season like we could beat anybody on our schedule at any time. Now, this isn't unprecedented territory. You were 1-3 just last year. Uh, where are maybe some similarities to the way you felt through four last year, maybe contrasted to how it, how it, how it is in 2017? 
Sure, there there are a lot of similarities. Um, I think, you know, the, in the teams that we played last year, as we we built a one and three record, we really um, our, some of our games were closer. But the common denominator was we were we were having a, a tough time of consistently moving and scoring on offense. We were holding the scores down um, fairly low on defense during that stretch. Um, that that was an early season pattern that didn't hold for the rest of the season, and that's so often the case. Um, and and as coaches, we we know that and we realize that we're, this is not a situation where we feel like, geez, we got a bunch of, of uh, great defensive players, and and uh, we you know well, let's do something different on offense. That's not the case at all. What we need to do is stick with our plan. We always need to tweak the plan. We always need to evaluate what we're doing as coaches, the way that we're motivating, the way that we're what we're doing tactically and technically. But uh, there, there's no question in my mind we have all the pieces that we need to be successful, and we just have to get it done as coaches. You alluded to some components of it, but a question from Twitter comes in via Travis Mortensen who says, what do you say to the players to believe in a more optimistic future and not get weighed down from the slow start? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, number one, for 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 me personally, and I feel like all coaches should, should do this, but uh, for me personally, it's to model confidence to walk in and, uh, you know, I've, I've been on coaching staffs. I've been a player where you feel like the coach comes in front of you every week and pleads with the team how good we can be. And, gosh, darn it, guys, we're so close to being a great team. I really believe in you guys. I think that's wasted language. What I want to do is show up uh, like I did this morning. Uh, the first meeting we have every week is a special teams meeting. I've got the whole team right in front of me, and it is um, it is how much information that I can feed our guys in a 20-minute span. And it's a, I challenge myself to, to – um, it's it's a, it's really a competition for me. How much information can I give them, and how quickly? And I want them to know that I'm pouring 100% of my energy in. I think players can sense that if coaches are willing to put in that much energy and that much time, and be that prepared, and bring that much enthusiasm to a meeting, then we haven't given up on them. How much uh, do you believe they're able to conceptualize in 20 minutes? Say, <laughs> well, I'm I'm a proponent of of simplicity, and uh, so it's really about the a lot of the details that I'm bringing are um, as they as they can um, incorporate it into their plan. So we have a, a general and overall um, system scheme uh, on defense and in coverage and on special teams, and I think that, that most guys can handle that piece of it, and I don't like to change that up a lot. But from there, it's how many details that I can hit them with. And some guys can carry a lot more details, and it shows up in their plays. Other guys don't carry as much detail, maybe play a little harder, and, and it's on me as the coach to try to mesh that and put the best 11 guys out there. Okay, Coach Lamb is with us in the first half hour of today's Coordinator's Corner. Coach Elisa Tuiaki coming up at 1230. We'll take a break, and after the break, we'll take a look at the Utah State game coming up on Friday night. Get some thoughts on that, and also your questions via Twitter at the hashtag CCBYU, hashtag CCBYU, the CC for Coordinator's Corner. This is the Coordinator's Corner at JCW's in Provo. We're back right after this. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back inside JCW's here in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Every Monday from 12 to 1 we are here. I'll be visiting with uh, two of BYU's three coordinators. And the two this week are Coach Ed Lamb with special teams and Coach uh, Tuiaki with the defense coming up at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of special teams, we talked about some punt and punt return earlier. A kickoff return since we last visited... Uh, Jonah Trinneman has become more of a favorite option for you at kick return, and he's done fairly well. Yes, I think uh, there's there's two. Um, I think there's two factors in that. Uh, we, Aleva Hifo did a nice job for us all last year. He's still doing a good job in practice. I have a high level of confidence in Aleva. 
Um, Aleva's a little more of a of a, a shake guy. He, he tends to want to kind of um, groove and shake and find openings. Jonah hits a little more downhill, and um, um, Aleva also was coming off of shoulder surgery uh, this season, and so it just felt like a, that um, Jonah was the, the better option there going into week two, and he's, he's held on to the spot. I don't watch every deep snap, but uh, I have noticed that uh, Mitch Harris and Matt Foley have both gotten usage. How are you kind of determining uh, who's the guy? That's a day-to-day and, and week-to-week uh, analysis. Uh, Matt, Matt Foley is uh, clearly the, uh, the, the number one snapper on both what we, what we call the short snaps and uh, the long snaps, the short snaps being PAT and field goal and the long snap being punt. Uh, Matt, Matt is the most consistent on that. Mitch has improved so much to the point where it's, it's really a, a very small amount uh, that, that Matt has an advantage in the short snap game, but Mitch has, has shown to be a much better uh, protector. And so we had some areas, uh, you know, last year in the, in the Boise State game, for example, with the winning field goal on the line where they, they got a lot of penetration up the middle. So we need to do a better job at, uh, at blocking. Right now Mitch has given us that. Still have a really high level of confidence in Matt, and it's an ongoing thing. Matt is not giving up that job Lately, uh, he came in and said, Coach, I just want to talk to you once about it and let you know that I'm not giving that thing up. I respect your decision, but I, I'm, I'm continuing to fight for that job back. Now, because he's very noticeable when he's out there on the line on, on special teams, uh, Molongi was not available last game. How's yeah. he doing? Mo's working through a minor injury. Non, it's a non-surgical injury to his uh, ankle, lower leg, and just, just working through that right now and hope to get him back as soon as possible. I don't know if that'll be this week or not. But as is the custom, coaches won't really discuss injuries unless it's a season-ending thing, and he's just one of those guys that we're kind of seeing kind of day-to-day, week-to-week. Yeah, he was at practice today in full pads and, and out there and working hard, so hope to get him back ASAP. Okay, to Utah State now. Uh, their kicker uh, is 8 for 8 on field goals, 15 for 15 on the PATs, and a long of 52. So clearly uh, USU's coaches don't have too many concerns with their kicker right now. How are you with your kicking game? And I mentioned the 52-yard field goal. It's been 11 years since BYU's had a field goal of 50 yards or longer. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you anticipate being a part of your special team's arsenal moving forward? Well, I think I think it's good. I think... Um the, the key for the coaching staff, you know, this is mostly a head coach's responsibility to, to determine whether we're in four-down territory or field goal territory. But, it's, it's, you know, it's, we always want to recruit the very best players that we can and then, um, and then have the right philosophy for them. And right now we need to hit, with our offense, we need to hit about the 26-yard line before we feel like we're three out of four on field goals. And, uh, and and no kicker is really, you know, demonstrates an, an eight for eight type level. That's a that's a hot streak. And you yeah. can be a three out of four kicker and, and go uh, eight for eight. And so he's on an, that, that kicker for Utah State's on an incredible hot streak, does an excellent job. We hope to put some pressure on him and, and break his streak. Now, they put some pressure on punters. Uh, they've got three blocked punts right now, which leads the country. What is their secret uh, to getting it done? I know one came just this past week against uh, Idaho State. They've got two others in there. What do you see? I have, I studying Utah State's game against San Jose State, I have never seen a more dominant special teams performance than Utah State over San Jose State. There were two surprise onside kicks. Uh, really, they were sky kicks that landed, and then uh, Utah State was able to recover it. Hmm. There was a punt that was muffed by San Jose State and recovered deep um, in, in their own territory by Utah State. There were there was the punt block, as you said. The 50, it was a 53-yard field goal originally was what was on the stat sheet, but uh, I, I thought it was 52 when I watched the video myself. Yep. Um, yeah, just an amazing. So all over the amazing, place, they were excellent. All over the place, and they have been all year. They've got a very good special teams coach. They put a lot of emphasis in special teams. I see starters sprinkled out throughout their special teams units. It'll be a real challenge for our players this week. 
from the defensive side looking at their offense now. Uh, the quarterback, Myers, leads the team in yards per carry. So you know what you're dealing with there with a multifaceted uh, component. Yeah, he, he's smart. I think that you say yards per carry, and that doesn't surprise me. I, I actually hadn't looked at it that way. But he does. he's not one of these quarterbacks. Like, for example, to compare him with Utah's quarterback against us, Utah's quarterback looked to make the tough yards, the three, the four, the five-yard gain. Obviously, every offensive play is designed to go the distance. But Utah State's quarterback really doesn't doesn't carry the ball much for the the typical control down type yardage three to five yards he's looking for a big opportunity to pull it and run and so he's had some very big plays on the season i think a 60 plus yard touchdown against utah state for example and, and is, san jose state yeah so. the and the pass attack has not been the strongest element for utah state to this point uh more picks than tds but uh, the ground game has been consistent enough and the quarterback gives them the extra option that not, that not every team has he does and he does a very good job their, their screen game is what's on point and so his his percentage of uh, completions is pretty Very high high, high yeah. 60s right yeah. now yeah he d- does a really good job with that he's a smart quarterback they, they don't really attempt to push the ball down the field much if they're pushing the ball down the field in a drop back passing game it's typically a very long yarded situation and it, it advantage to the defense kind of like i was talking about before getting into your um, adjunct coverages and defensive line teeing off on the pass rush and so it's probably not a fair assessment for them. It's really not part of their offense. They're a triple option run style offense with yeah. an RPO screen game. Uh, last thing for Coach uh, Ed Lamb, and it's it's kind of relative to where this BY or this Utah State game fits in the overall complexion of the season. We've talked earlier about it's important to be your best on the the, the one day we're talking about. How much imp- importance do you think that this one game could have on the course of a season? As you are at a bit of an early crossroads here at one and three coming off the bye. Well, it's that's that's a really good question. I'll, I'll, I have to answer it this way: is to win uh, to win this week is is the most important thing that could happen for our football team. Um, but to, to say it um, to to say that to to try to put one game in context of the whole season, for example, a loss this week or next week or the week after shouldn't turn into two or three losses because the importance of that game was overstated. The importance of this game is that it is it is the only game right now on the schedule. It is the most important game this Saturday, and we're putting every piece of our energy into this game. And it's an in-state game, and those have their own uh, unique uh, characteristics when you get into guys who've played against guys for a long time. They do, absolutely. Yeah. We take a, a special pride in playing uh, for our school, and uh, we know that our school takes these games uh, more seriously, and our players know they, they know players on the other team. Coaches have relationships as well, and so there's an extra piece on the line. All right, well, Coach Lamb, good luck on Friday night. Thanks for the time. Thank you, Greg. All right, that's Coach Ed Lamb. We'll come back with defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki as the coordinator's corner continues from JCW's in Provo. Back after this. Head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back inside JCW's. The Burger Boys were in Provo. We are every Monday from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock conversing with two of BYU's three coordinators today. Ed Lamb, first hour. He was great. And Coach Elisa Tuiaki, defensive coordinator, now with us till the top of the hour. Coach E, good to see you again. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. So how was uh, the bye week of most benefit to you and your guys? I think getting away from football for a little bit. <laughs> that, that That's always good, kind of keep things in perspective and spend a little bit more time with family and um, you know, I, th- I think you can. I've been on teams that have taken it both both ways. One team practices harder and gets after a little bit more and grinds their players, players a little bit more. And um, Coach Itake just felt like it was a little bit. It was probably more important for us to just kind of cut football loose and and uh, go be a student, go be a family member, and 
come back and did did that with the coaches as well. So I thought it was good. It was refreshing. Everybody was hungry to get back and get after it. That's the thing. Based on what uh, Coach Lamb said last half hour, what you're just alluding to right now, today's practice, which was fully padded, was energetic because you have been off for a week. Yeah, yeah, it was really energetic. And, um, you know, we, we took some time off as well as coaches. But, uh, you know, yesterday, Saturday, as football uh, was being played throughout the country, you know, we started texting each other back and kind of starting to talk scheme a little bit more and everything. So we were kind of anxious to get back at it as well. A uh, question coming in, and by the way, we'll get questions for Coach Tuiaki coming at uh, hashtag CCBYU, CC for Coordinator's Corner. Uh, Rich Wanakot, uh tweeted in from somewhere overhead. He's flying today, and he, from an airplane, he tweeted, uh, how do you keep the locker room intact and the coaches united after a bit of a slow start? You know, just just sticking to the plan. You know, uh, we got a great head coach who who, who is always uh, keeping the morale up. Um, you know, focusing on on maybe more principle than anything, just so that those guys know that principle is going to keep us through. You know, all these tough times and you know, tough times kind of come and go. But if we just stick to the things that we know um, are never changing. You know, like hard work and just loyalty and trust and love and all those things. I mean, you can always focus on that and and uh, the, the th- things will come back around where they need to be. Yeah, what kind of sense do you get from the guys in your room when you get together on, on how they're still hanging together right now? You know, they're, they're obviously disappointed, but, uh, you know, I think that they're coming closer together. And they, they uh, Fred and some of the other captains, you know, called a team meeting um, last Monday, and it was just them, just a players meeting, and they got back together, together and talked a little bit more about just, you know, how they wanted the season to go and getting back on track and kind of getting a little bit more swag into their step and all that stuff. And so I thought that, that was a big positive that the, the leadership stepped up and, you know, was trying to take over the thing. There has to be a belief that the, that the guys in the room and the pieces of the puzzle are still the right guys and the repeat on the right pieces, right? Right, right, absolutely. And I think I think they believe it. They just, um, you know, kind of more more than anything, just hard on themselves about, um, you know, expectation and and uh, you know responsibility and everybody just being accountable to to the team. Okay, Twitter question for Coach Tuiaki. What are one or two things the D can do to be more disruptive? I know you want about three takeaways a game. You've got three takeaways through four games, I think, right now. So that needs to step up to meet your objectives. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, as we, we watch film and, and go back and just uh, evaluate things, there's, there's just a lot of little things, you know. Um, the biggest thing, especially with, with a lot of interceptions, comes when D linemen are a little bit more disruptive. And so not just getting sacks, but tip balls. You know, if we're not getting to a quarterback, but we're getting our hands up, which we're not doing consistently. We've got to tip some balls, and it ends up turning into takeaways, which is which is always, you know, a boost for the guys' morale on the sideline. And we haven't been helping the offense that way. But, uh, I mean, th- those type of things and just making sure that everybody's doing all the little things right, you know. In your, in your perspective, how much of, of the takeaway game is randomness and luck and how much of it are known these are these are the things you can do to make sure your takeaway number is high because you'll see teams be a 33 takeaway you know team one year and a 13 takeaway team the next year you know i think a lot of it can be controlled but you know at the same time if if an offense is really good at holding on the ball and doing the little things right and you're not doing it as well then uh, it'll show up in that stat. And so we've got to be more disruptive um, up front with the D-line. We've got to be tighter in coverage. 
And, uh, you know, when, when you start to sync up the timing of the D-line's disruption with the timing of how well you're playing uh, really aggressive man coverage and just tight coverage, then you start to see more takeaways that way, at least in the interceptions. But um, I think most of our, our takeaways are, are fumbles or just, you know, jumping on loose balls and all that, and mm-hmm. you know, which is great. But we've got, we've got to create more in the past game. After going 14 straight games with a pick, you've gone three straight games without one, and Coach Lamb talked about that in our first half hour. And it is more than just um, – defensive backs making or not making a pick it's it's really what's happening in, uh, in the seven guys in front of them too right right it, it all it all has to sync up together um when you're playing aggressive tight coverage and the quarterback you know feels like his world is collapsing on him then you start to see see things like that but right now we're just we're not creating enough uh pressure up front um quarterbacks and, and offenses are doing a really good job getting rid of the ball or protecting them with you know five six seven eight guys um, you know, a lot of the passes, at least earlier, we were starting to see a lot of max protection where the, the, they, were, they were doing a good job protecting quarterback, but then also just timing and everything of the offenses that we faced has, has been good. So we've got to do a better job disrupting that timing. Now, when your offense isn't scoring a lot, do the defensive coaches and guys feel more incumbent to make the big play, to do a sudden change play, to score on defense, those kind of things to help the team out? Yeah, which I, you know, I think it's a good thing to feel that way. But a lot of times, guys reaching out of their realm, um, you know, get, makes it where you end up giving up more plays. And so, trying to keep them reeled in and just, just, you know, playing and sticking to the game plan is really the tough thing I think in situations like that. One and three start this year. One and three start last year. Uh, Asked this to Coach Lamb as well. Uh, what feels very similar? What are some differences maybe from from the first four last year to this? Uh, probably, probably the fact that we were uh, in the games, you know, last year, um, coming down to the wire. I think uh, you, you don't like walking away from a loss, but you always feel like you were just kind of right there. One or two things go your way, and, and, you know, it's a game. But, you know, especially this last game against Wisconsin, they just thumped us. They thumped us good, and, um, you know, we, we, we weren't as competitive and doing anything on offense and defensively. We got into situations that we wanted but just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't cover. And so... Um, I think just the competitiveness is probably the most disappointing thing from last year to this year. Now, coaches will always say, no matter when the bye week comes, it was a good week for us for whatever reason. But seeing as you did just get thumped, why was it a good time to have this extra time before you play again? We we had, a, you know, nobody really talks about it, but we had a, we have a lot of guys that are banged up, lost a lot of guys. And obviously the most important guy, which is the quarterback, is, is a big deal. But, I mean, you know, we've got we, – we don't talk about – injuries much to, to the media either but right. i mean we're missing a lot of guys and so getting those guys back and getting those guys back healthy and you know, some of the guys that didn't practice all week that ended up playing um, you know just kind of getting their feet back under them is important i recall before the season began we were talking about i think it was lorenzo falatea was it not that we hoped he'd get in at some point this year is, right. is he maybe on pace to, to join you at some point yeah he played a little last game um he isn't completely what he was uh, before he got hurt but I think just uh, getting that confidence back and getting a couple of reps and uh, getting a couple of reps and feeling kind of embarrassed that he put some of those reps out there was good for him. You know, as he came back and talked to me in the locker room and said, Coach, I'm going to be better. I know I'm better than this. And just, you know, feeling like he should. So, I, you know, I, I wanted to protect him a little bit from himself because he felt like he was ready. But uh, there's some reps on there that, that he showed that he's just not there yet. But he's he's almost ready. So good week off for him then. Really good re- week off for him, yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, talk some more with Coach Elisa Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator. This is the Coordinator's Corner. You can tweet your questions in for Coach E at hashtag CCBYU. We're at JCWs. I'm Greg Rubel. He is Coach Tuiaki. We're back with more Coordinator's Corner right after this. 
Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back inside JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. Greg Rubel with Defensive Coordinator Coach Elisa Tuiaki as BYU gets ready for Utah State on a Friday night up in Logan. Uh, the Utah State game, how much meaning does it have to you personally? It's uh, it's an exciting game, you know, just like the the game against uh, against Utah. You know, they're both places that I've been to, and yep. um, you know, this one is a little bit more distant because it was my first stop, and so I don't really, I don't think any of the kids that I recruit are still there. But um, you know, I've got a I've got a really close relative that's coaching D line there, and um, know know Matt Wells really well because we coach together on the offensive side. So it'll it'll be another fun one. Yeah. So what memories and recollections do you have of life up in Logan? And did you guys get to play BYU while you were up there? We did. So, um, you know, we got there and, and uh, you know, working on the program. And so we had, I think, lost 17 in a row um, when we got there. And I was there in 2010 when we finally beat BYU. So I know that for, for Cash Valley, for um, those kids, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, they're, they'll, they'll, they'll try to treat it like another game, but I'm telling you, it's, it's a big deal to them to come up and play. And it'll probably be the most packed game um, in their stadium this, this year just because, of all the, the LDS members that are out there as well as just people that want to see see them succeed against us. but So it's, it's, it's a really, really big game for them. So the last 35 BYU-Utah State meetings, BYU's won 30 and Utah State's won 5. But, it doesn't, but somehow it feels different than that to me. It seems like, uh, like, like, like the numbers should be a little more tilted back to where Utah State's more competitive. The numbers are what they are, but that said, uh, the Ags give BYU, generally speaking, a really tough game every time. Yeah, and, and you know, I think uh, if it weren't for the game in 2010 and then the one three years ago, it would feel more tilted. But just recently, more, more competitive um, and a lot of games that have that are really, really close and, you know, really... I think it was it was the the game where we ended up losing Taysom two years in a row, yeah. and so um, I, I think you know they they feel like it's more competitive. They kind of play with a chip on their shoulder, and a lot of in-state kids that that were recruited um, that were either you know overlooked or whatever the case yeah. is that ended up over there that feel like they should either be here or Utah, and and so it's always a competitive game that okay. way. So of, of your current defensive stats or trends, uh, what are you kind of hanging your hat on right now? You know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a stat that we can hang our hat on right now. You know, we're, we we want to stop the run and we want to get create takeaways, but uh, neither one of those have been good for us. And and uh, you know, obviously you kind of look at at the whole game and and the amount of snaps that we're playing and all that stuff. And so you know, whatever the case is, we've got to find a way to get off the field. Um, third downs have been really bad for us this year. You know, we've uh, the the whole philosophy is to to uh, create. Uh, third and long you know long distances and we've done that in, in the last several games but we haven't been able to get off the field yeah. and so we've got to do a better job getting off the field you know between coverage and pass rush and all that and uh i i think that uh you know it, it'll be better for us but we're playing you know 10 15 20 snaps more than we should be because our third downs are so bad do you have a yards per rush number defensively that you have in mind that you want to hit every game or for a season or you know i think 3.2 is is good um anything under three is really good yeah. and so um that, that's you know we don't we don't go out every game and say okay we want this is our goal it's just we want to stop the run which always equates third and long and um you know we we just need to get out of third downs and we've got to stay off the field 
and that always helps out too when your offense is doing a really good job and you're not defending as many snaps and offenses on the other side have to get into the pass game and throw more and you feel like you can rush the rush the passer instead of have to stop a run then it always always helps out with uh, with at least that statistic where you're you're not playing as many run snaps so you say 3.2 and under three would be great and certainly that's true in the last 11 seasons i brought it up with coach lamb uh byu's been under four and under four puts you in the top 30 or 40 every year under four is a good place to be right now it's 4.12 so it's a bit over where you want to be and by the end of it you may be back in the threes but that's where you are right now uh reds i'll give you a, a stat to hang a hat on um Red zone defense, uh, BYU's 34th in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone. And that has. You can think about different times this year where you guys have stiffened and held teams to either uh, a field goal attempt, turnover on downs, or turnover. And so uh, teams have gotten in the red zone 22 times on you, scored just 10 touchdowns. That's something you can build on. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something that's good. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought that they responded every single time that we've, you know, the turnover where they have to get out there and make a stop and, yeah. uh, in the last three weeks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that I, I didn't think about that. I mean, they're, they're doing a good job with it. Yeah, that has been. And the overall red zone defensive number is top 50 as well. Uh, but BYU has stiffened, it seems, when teams have been in pretty good spots uh, inside the 20. Um, how much of the early season struggles are magnified by back-to-back-to-back top 25 teams? And how and, and to the point where you think things by the end of the season will even themselves out and you'll get a better picture once you've played 10, 11, 12 games? Yeah, I don't, you know, nobody really cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares who you played. Nobody cares how many people are hurt, you know. Um, I, I was watching, you're just watching the ticker and kind of uh, watching, uh, who was it, USC played Cal, right? And they've listed the th- three starters that were hurt. <laughs> it was like nobody does that for us. Nobody really cares. And so we just got to find a way to win. We got to find a way to respond when when somebody goes down and and uh, when you're playing tough teams, which we wanted, right? I mean, you right. want it, then you get it, then you have to respond. And and we we haven't in the last last three games. And so we have to do better with that. You know, Coach Lambrett brought the uh, uh, the point up. So many BYU coaches on the staff. Um, have been a part of great BYU teams in the past, and all those teams, they were used to playing those kinds of games. So the whole ranked thing or great team doesn't really, the coaches aren't buying it. They're saying, hey, we still need to be that good to be able to compete with these teams, and you were just as recently as last year. Right. It's just been a rough, rough start to this one. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we've got to play good team football. Everybody's got to do their job, offense, special teams, and, and defense, and I think we'll have a shot. I mean, uh, we, we just we just have to play better in all three phases. More looking ahead to Utah State in our final segment of the show, which is coming up next. Greg Rubel visiting with uh, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki on the coordinator's corner. We're at JCW's, and we're here every Monday from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Thanks, Julian. We're back with more coordinator's corner after this. Stay with us. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg Rubel and JCWs for the Coordinator's Corner. Coach Ed Lamb was with us in the first half hour. Coach Elisa Tuiaki here in half hour number two. To Twitter we go, hashtag CCBYU from Spencer Lindemann. Question for Coach Tuiaki. How does BYU's defense force more three and outs and punts in general? You know, the the philosophy, at least with us, is uh, we've got to win first down. Um, You know, teams that mix it up pretty good as far as pass and, and run are difficult to defend because of that. But uh, a lot of teams come out and they just they just uh, run it, and so we've got to stop the run on first down, force them into pass situations where we feel like we can get after the quarterback and, and get off the field. And so, um, you know, last last couple of games felt like we have gotten into that situation where we have forced uh, third and long, but we just haven't been able to to uh, execute on third downs. And I think that's the biggest thing. So, 
get better on third downs, we're, we're off the field. Travis tweets in, how did recruiting visits go uh, during the bye week? They were good. Yeah, you know, right now we're, we're kind of honing in on specific guys and, um, you know, went out to the Bay Area and, and saw a couple of kids. And, uh, you know, it's still a little early in the, in the process, but we are starting to hone in on, on just specific kids now. So uh, that's pretty typical for a team like BYU in an early bye week is to get out, get on the road, and, and see some kids? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think everybody does that. Okay, Utah State. Um, well, one more question uh, from Jeffrey before we go to Utah State. Uh, the D-line on wrapping up and tackling, how are they grading out to you right now? Uh, it, it's, not, it's not wrapping up and tackling right now. I think our guys... When they get the opportunity that they're they're getting there, but our our angles right now, which uh, you can't can't really see it unless you're watching the film, our angles aren't good enough, and a lot of it just comes with youthfulness, you know. So like Kyra should have 50 TFLs, but he just gets knocked back and doesn't know how to react yet to specific blocks and and to to movement and all that stuff. And how so much of that is just him being new it's, to it's it all? It's all him being new. That, that's what it is. I mean, he's strong enough, but uh, just being new to the game. It just just takes some time, you know. It takes some time, especially because everything for them happens so fast, and it's right there in front of them. Um, to 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 get a couple snaps, you know, more snaps under him will get him a little bit more familiar with schemes, just which way things are going. And I mean, he's he's going to be really really good. Um, and and he he is right now. When you watch him, yeah, a lot of people see him and he sticks out. And he's, he's big, he's physical, and all that. But he's going to be a lot more disruptive once he gets to know the game. Utah State's played a couple of P5s, a couple of non-P5s. Big wins in the non-P5 games, big losses against the P5s. So what do you make of the Ags through four games? I think, uh, you know, with the new offense, you can tell that there's some things that they're kind of holding over. Uh, they do a really good job with screens, which I think is one of the things that they held over. Um, but, uh, I, you know, per- personnel-wise, I think we match up real well. There's a couple of kids that were here on our team before as walk-ons that are there now that are playing, and, and uh, our kids are familiar with them. And so it'll, uh, yeah, I think it's a good matchup for us, you know, uh, and I think that uh, it sh- should be a good one for us. How do you like your quarterback, Kent Myers? You know, he's, he's a good player. He's a good runner. Um, having having a couple seasons under his belt, you can really tell it shows. The other kid, uh, Jordan Love, is, is uh, I think, going to be a good player, but you can tell that uh, Myers is a little bit better just because of, of uh, how many snaps he's played. They've uh, given it away ten times, ten giveaways in four games, a lot of that through the air, um, and you, again, are struggling for takeaways right now. Is this a good match that way, or can you simply look to a team's tendencies and say this is the team we get better against, or is it really not about that? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, they, they struggle, I think, uh, up front, which always equates to look to quarterback throwing more picks. And so um, if we can dominate up front uh, with our defensive line, I think we can pressure this kid a little bit to, to throw us a couple of balls that uh, we can get after. What do you think the offense uh, has done or will do in game five that they can maybe take and learn from correct from the first four games? Uh, I'm sorry. Ask that BYU's offense. Ours? Yeah, BYU. As you, as you kind of see what's happening, you know, in, amongst coaches, what do you think can can be done to help uh, improve where they've been struggling early? You know, it's it's hard for me to say just because I'm not in that room and I don't know exactly what they're looking at and what they're saying and everything. And you know, in college, we are completely separate, and so they have their room and their mm-hmm. you know things that they talk about. But I think. You know, any time that you're any time that you're struggling, whether it's defensively, offensively, in general, on any team, you know, I think the the initial reaction for coaches is to start adding things or start doing things differently. Um, I think for us, it's stick to the game plan, tighten things down. If anything, get rid of plays and just get better at what we're asking them to do. Um, I, I, you know, 
I, I, I think that's probably what we're doing um, is just, just trying to, you know, identify more of what we're good at and just keep doing it. Um, which, which I think equates to more of a your, your offense having a personality. Was Kalani uh, his approach at one and three last year? Is it pretty similar to his approach at one and three this year? Do you think, in terms of an overall, uh, you know, control of the program? Yeah, you know, he's he's never happy um, at, at a state stage like this. Um, I got to think back. I can't remember who it was last. He's pretty consistent. Normally, he's he's, uh, he's a guy that's really emotional, a guy that will say what's on his mind. And so I think that uh, it's been pretty similar. You know, it's it's not good enough. We got to be better. We got to do uh, do what we need to do. These these kids deserve to win, and we're good enough to win. We just need to put things together. How how much importance do you place then on on the Utah State game in terms of what it might do or mean for your season? Hopefully, you know, I, I was here when when Coach Lamb answered that, and I and I feel the same way. You know, there's uh, we we need we need a, we need this win just like we needed the, the win last week. You know, or two weeks ago against Wisconsin. I mean, we need a win. Um, get the morale back up and get the kids feeling like they're on the right track and um, you know just th- this is the most important game right now we've got to win this one now uh, in terms of what coaches can do versus what players can do to get things on the right track where, where, where's the balance there do you think who does it most who's it most incumbent upon to make the change that need to get made you know from, from this last game um, talking to our kids we I, I put that on us as coaches we've got to do a better job you know, whether it's demanding more or, or getting the kids to, to practice a little bit differently or just give more energy and practice, whatever it is. And so, you know, they, they put it on themselves. We put it on us. And, you know, I think I think it's a little bit of both. But, uh, you know, this today's practice was really, really good. And I was it was kept us in good spirits. Well, you know what it's like uh, up in Logan. You know how they'll be treating Friday night's game. I'm excited for what's going to happen up there. It should yeah, be a lot of fun. I think it will be. It'll be a good, good uh, exciting stadium to play in. All right. It'll be a 4 o'clock pregame and a, a 6 o'clock kick for BYU and Utah State on Friday night. For Coach Tuiaki and Coach Ed Lamb in the first half hour, I'm Greg Rubel. Thank you for tuning in to the Coordinator's Corner from JCW's in Provo. We'll see you next Monday. So long.